1: We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about a specific and special kind of love called limerence. You see, in the social sciences, we can measure different kinds of love. There's such a thing, for example, as passionate love, but limerence is even more intense and beyond that. There are other kinds of love like uh, intimacy, like commitment, all those kinds of things like empty love. But what we want to talk about today is the third phase of limerence. In the first program, two weeks ago, we talked about the initial stage, which is called, infatuation. Then last week we talked about the next phase, which is called crystallization. And now let's talk about how that this thing called limerence ends and we call that deterioration.
0: Hey everyone. Welcome to today's show, which we're excited about. We're we're finishing up the three phases of limerence. (laughs) I'm getting tongue-tied, and Joe thinks it's funny.
1: <laughs> you know, this program couldn't start any worse. So... <laughs> <You know laughs> We've what had the... technical difficulties. Now you're getting tongue-tied. La, 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 la. I'm getting tongue-tied.
0: So, you know what's funny, though, is I've actually had people stop me at a workshop or wherever, and they say, you know what we love about the show? What's that? how <laughs> we know it's not scripted. <laughs> because... <laughs> and interestingly, a lot of times they'll point to how you and I fight. Which is funny because I never think we fight.
1: I don't think we fight either. I know,
0: but people just enjoy our interactions, <laughs> our disagreements. Our
1: disagreements. And so if you really like <laughs> those thing. kinds of things, if you like the technical difficulties, the tongue tied, et cetera, you've enjoyed this so far. So let's see if we think can get to the topic
0: maybe. In this phase, it's kind of where the person who's been in Limerence starts to wake up in a sense.
1: That's correct. Now understand that Limerence is an extremely intense kind of love it's categorized by this deep, deep longing for reciprocity from the other person. It feels about you like you feel about them to the point where you can spend up to 85% of your waking hours thinking about this other person. You think about all the good times you've had together the times you've enjoyed with each other. But a lot of the time is also spent daydreaming about the future you will have together. And so this obsessive thinking, this, uh, this not being able to get past as a matter of fact, one of the differentiations between it and the other kinds of love is that people who feel this madly in love feeling called limerence feel they have no control over it, that they couldn't stop it even if they wanted to. Yet, it always ends. Now in the first stage is kind of watching the other person and thinking, maybe, maybe not. When you get up closer to the second stage, which we talked about last week, this crystallization stage is where you're convinced that nobody's ever felt this before. You can't even explain it to anybody because nobody's experienced it and that you two were meant for each other, that you're soulmates. Yet you're hyper, hyper vigilant watching the other person looking for any sign of acceptance or rejection. What you want is that person to be feeding back to you the same emotions you feel toward him or her. And if you see any sign, whether it's real or imagined by you, that he or she may not be doing that, that he or she may be pulling away, that that might be fading a little bit. You have all these negative emotions and you go to ecstasy when you think, wow, he, she loves me to misery. Like, oh no, he or she's pulling away from me. And then you think this is going to last forever. It's going to even out at some point because you focus more on the ecstasy feelings than the agony feelings. You think at some point it's going to even out. We're going to be happily married to each other or together for the rest of our lives. And it's always going to be this unbelievable intense emotion for each other. That's what it feels like. That's what you believe is going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. Now I know that when I talk to people who are in this phase, or even toward the end of phase one or definitely in phase two, they say, no, 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 you're wrong. I will always feel this way. He, she will always feel this way. And I know that's what you think now. And you believe it, not just think it, you're convinced it's going to be like this, but it's not. It will eventually fade. Now there's ample research about this. There's even a biological and anthropological reason that it has to fade because you see in this state, you can't function in life the way that you want to. Oh, when you're in ecstasy, you might be really, really good at something, but then you go into that misery phase, that does she love me? Is he still going to be with me? Is he or she pulling away? And in that misery stage, you become unproductive. Even in the ecstasy stage, you can be unproductive because of the fact that it's so absorbing and all you can think about is this other person. And so from a biological standpoint and an anthropological standpoint, the human race could not continue if people went into that phase, that stage, that intense level of emotion and stayed there. It has to end, it has to. And when it does, you start going into that third phase, we call deterioration. deterioration. But, but just like the other phases have been not linear, but all mixed up, up, down, in and out, the same as here. Because when you go out of that second phase, that crystallization into deterioration, it's not a clean, clear cut thing. It's more like this, 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 back and forth, back and forth, and still the emotions going all kinds of crazy ways. And it may be, as a matter of fact, almost always is, that one person begins to deteriorate before the other. And typically, as a matter of fact, most often, the person that went into limerence faster than the other is the first one to start pulling out of limerence. So if you went in faster and first, you may be the first one to come out. It's not necessarily going to happen that way, but most likely is. And as that person is doing these kinds of things, the other person who's still in crystallization does everything he or she can to pull them back. They, they get sick. They, they faint. They wind up in a hospital. They, they use all kinds of guilt tactics like, you can't leave me now. Look at all I've given up for you. They remind them of all the bliss they've had together and the dreams that they've shared. They do everything they possibly can to pull this person back up here. And often they do. So the one that's going out of a limerence first is often pulled back up by the other. But it doesn't last forever. As a matter of fact, this, percurs, this person, the one that's going out faster than the other actually begins to get a little irritated with it as it goes along. Like, I don't know that I can live in this kind of intensity. And then he or she often begins to feel guilty about the fact that they've been in this relationship, particularly if they were married to somebody else to begin with. And it's like, I don't know how to live with this. I don't know how to deal with this. And then the misery comes, the guilt, et cetera. Now, a person in deterioration, if they're married to somebody else, does not necessarily go back to this person. Have we talked about one? I don't think so. Okay. What? Do you know why?
0: I do know (laughs) why.
1: I knew that you did. I'm I'm just doing all the talking. I wanted you to
0: talk. That's true. Well, yeah. So just because someone comes out of limerence doesn't mean that they suddenly turn back and say, I want to go back. Because there may have been issues in the marriage before the affair occurred. And there may have been things that happened as the crystallization, you know, throughout the whole process of limerence that they're looking back at their spouse and saying, you, you pressured me, you did this, you did that, you tried to control me. I don't want to go back to you. I don't love this person anymore, but I don't love you either. And so I'd rather just be alone.
1: Yeah, that happens a lot.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: As a matter of fact, what's going on here is the fact that there's a general principle that people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. And so in this process, they have actually convinced themselves that being with this other person is better than being with the spouse that they're leaving, Mm -hmm. if indeed they're leaving a marriage for this. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll vilify often that spouse. They exacerbate all his or her flaws, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing so, they've actually painted a mental picture of this person being bad for them. Now, as Kimberly just said, if tr- in misguided efforts to save the marriage, you now we're assuming then that this is somebody who's leaving a spouse. In misguided efforts to save the marriage, this person might have done some very negative things. Might have been mean, uh, may have whined, begged, pleaded, may have tried to control and dominate, try, tried to manipulate, all of which convince this person even more I don't need to be with you. Because remember, people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. And so you get over to this final phase, and Kimberly was hitting it right on the nose there. What happens then is, as I'm falling out of limerence, out of love, if you want to call limerence love, and it is a kind of love, then, then this person, I begin to think, I don't know if I want to be with him or her. I'm start pulling away from this person, but because I have so vilified my spouse, if I left a spouse, for example, to be in this relationship or, and, or my spouse has done so many negative things that you just mentioned, I don't want to go back to him or her. That's why we teach people, if your spouse is in limerence and you're trying to save the marriage, there are certain things you don't do. Just don't do those things. Now, we don't have time to talk about them in this program, but if you do, you actually push your spouse into the arms of the other person. Now, that sounds bad. I don't mean to say it's your fault. I really don't. But while that person is going through that if there's certain things that you do, it actually propels them toward the other person, even though you're not the reason that he or she's leaving. You actually can cause that to happen, where she goes to the other person. I'm saying I'm not saying that. Well, help me phrase that better.
0: I think you're saying it the best way <laughs> well, we I, know but it But I how. don't want to make it
1: sound like it's this person, the other spouse's fault.
0: Right, I understand that, but it. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. I'm trying to think of another kind of analogy. You don't mean to, it's not what you're trying to do, but in their minds, it's pushing them towards the other person.
1: Right. And so it has that effect whether you mean it to or not. Whether you
0: want it to or not, it's just the truth of it.
1: And so therefore you need to stop doing those things. Now we don't have time to talk about in this program what that is. Right, Kimberly will tell you how to find resources about that in just a minute. And then when you get there toward the end, then it's like most of these people then do not wind up together. If one of them left another relationship for it. Now, if they're two single people and they didn't really lose anything, then they might actually wind up with a different kind of love over here and wind up marrying each other and living for years and years as husband and wife with a good marriage. But the people that actually have given up things like Mm. a marriage, um, Mm. like, friendships like Mm -hmm. other kinds of things that were important to them to be with this person. Those are the ones most likely not to develop a long-term relationship with this person. So if you're over here, if, if you're watching and you're in the deterioration phase and you're thinking, how do I get out of this? I mean, I've gotten to the point now where I regret that I was in it. Sometimes I still feel those surges of passion toward the other person, this longing to be, in reciprocity emotionally with this other person. But more than anything, I find myself wanting to get out of this and I don't know how.
0: Hmm. How do they get out? What do they do? Of which part?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this program has got to go down as the most confused <laughs> program we've ever done in our lives. <laughs> if they're trying to leave the limit relationship, yeah, what do they do?
0: They cut off all contact.
1: Now that's awfully hard to do. Right. Because these emotions sit and go, they're still going like this. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they'll decide I'm going to cut off all contact Mm -hmm. and do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then a day.
0: Or 45. I was talking. (laughs) Or
1: 45 days. (laughs) Well, the only reason I say
0: that is because I was speaking with a couple who came to our last workshop and this was his, this is what he was saying. I mean, he's definitely in this space right now of I have very strong feelings for this other woman, but I know the right thing to do. I just mm-hmm. don't feel like that. Right. And so he said, you know, I've tried to cut it off multiple times. I've tried, mm-hmm. you know, I, I stopped talking to her and then 45 days in, I contacted her, yeah. you know, and that's what it always was. And it's like, well, why are these feelings fading if they're wrong? Why aren't they fading?
1: You know, I have great desire. I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I have great desire for alcohol and what alcohol does to me. You might ask the same question. Wait a minute. You guys that, that go to AA and that have been parts of programs to get sober and stay sober for many, many years, you still sometimes feel like you want to drink. Yeah. Well, if that's wrong because you know what it done to your life, then why haven't they gone away?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's the same kind of principle. Don't you understand? Emotions are not logical, right? emotions and logic are often in contradiction to each other. But think about this. If indeed you're trying to, for this, for example, this guy, Mm -hmm. if he's trying to end the relationship with this other woman, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then he goes 45 days and then Mm -hmm. he contacts her again, think about how unfair that is to the other woman. He said that. Oh, what did he say?
0: Well, he said in his, while he was talking to me about it, he said, I know that I'm not good for her Mm -hmm. and she has kids and all of this stuff. And so he said, I, you know, I know that long-term my goal is to want to try and save my marriage. And he had a bunch of reasons why he didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But he, he definitely, he was, he is in this deterioration space to a T. I mean, just going back and forth between knowing what needs to happen, not wanting to do it, all of it. So ultimately at the end, he said, what do I, what should I do? And I said, cut off all contact and he, mm-hmm. go ahead and change your number.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, that, that's, let's get to that in just a second. But think about this again, by by contacting her again, he elongates her hope that perhaps someday they can be together, which because of the fact he's made a decision, I'm going to make my marriage work. I really am going to make my marriage work. Then by continuing that hope in the other woman, not only is it unfair to her, It is certainly not a loving act. Mm -hmm. No, I know that he would say, no, no, no. I do that because I feel this intense emotion toward her. I feel this love toward her. That's why I do it. But you know, if you're really going to love another person, if you're truly going to love another person in a way that is not selfish, then you do what's best for the other person. And by contacting her again, he's not doing what's best for her because he continues that hope that somehow they'll be together. He keeps messing up her life. And so we say stop all contact. Now, everybody benefits if you stop all contact. You do, because if you continue to have the hope that you might talk to that person again, it's taking longer for your limerence to go away. If you're married and you're trying to put your marriage back together, having any contact with the other person continues to destroy the ability to do that and causes great consternation, pain, agony to your spouse. And as we've already said, it is unfair. It is unkind. It's just mean if you get right down to the bottom line of it, to the other person, because you continue to develop that hope within him or her that you're going to be together.
0: I have a question. Someone oh, has a question please. about this. So someone asks, well, how is deterioration different than coming out of limerence through no contact with the affair partner? My husband is worried that the limerence, the feelings of limerence won't end because he's not going through the normal cycle of deterioration. Instead, he cut off contact.
1: Okay. He would have not made, uh, he would have not cuts stom- I can't talk today or- either. <clears throat> He would not have stopped contact with her if he were not in some level of deterioration. Mm -hmm. See, I was afraid of this. I was Mm -hmm. afraid when we paint these pictures, people Mm -hmm. would say, Oh, where am I in phase one? Where am I in phase two? Where am I in phase three? What's supposed to happen to me next? Understanding when you talk about human beings going through the cycles, human beings go through, particularly ones that involve intense emotions. We can't tell you you're exactly here, exactly here, exactly here. We can't do that. That's an impossibility. And this thing moves around a lot. Now there are three general phases. Okay. And whether or not he feels deterioration or not, the very fact that he's willing to Mm. cut off contact with her to try to end this thing indicates that he's not in full fledged crystallization, Mm. that he's not up here where it's just, this is all that you can think about all that you are. Now, Does he think then, okay, my emotions never going to wait, never going to change for her. I'm sure he does. Does he feel that intently? Like I can't make this stop. That's one of the things that identifies this as being limerence. When people feel they have no control over it whatsoever, I can't control this no matter what I do is actually one of the identifiers of it being limerence as opposed to uh, some other kind of love. And it will end. Mm. Now how, rapidly will it end? There are so many different factors that affect that. But but what he's doing right now by saying, okay, I'm going to cut off contact with her. I'm going to make my marriage work. I'm sure puts him in the middle of some misery emotionally mm. because he still feels these intense emotions toward the paramour. Yet, yet he's saying, I'm going to do what's right. This is the right thing to do. And I can understand his fear of that then these emotions are never going to go away. Mm-hmm. Trust me, we have dealt with thousands. And when I say thousands, I'm not exaggerating. We have dealt with thousands of people who have been through this situation. It will go away and it won't go away tomorrow. As a matter of fact, it may still feel this intense two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks from now. It will take a while, but if you continue to have no contact with her, mm. it will eventually begin to fade and go away. Here's the other side of that. If you run off with her, it still will eventually fade and go away. Now, what you've decided is to make a decision that's for the benefit of your family. Now, I know that it's painful for you because of the intensity of the emotion you feel right now, but it's going to wind up the same either way. At some point, whether you're with her or without her, this emotion is going to go away. This level, this intensity is not going to continue you may still have some positive thoughts toward her. I don't mean that's going to completely disappear, but do you understand that what you're feeling now is going to go away, whether you're with her or without her. And by making that decision to end things with her, to be with your family and put your family back together, when it finally does go away, you're going to look at yourself and think I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. I am so happy I did the right thing because at least you have not destroyed your family. Before it goes away. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes in these situations, we find that people didn't wind up just completely eating up with guilt because of what they've done.
0: Yeah. And even more than that, not just the guilt, but sometimes people go as far as I can't return to the marriage because I feel so guilty. There's no way my wife will forgive me. My husband will forgive me. My kids. Or even if they do,
1: I can't forgive myself. And so therefore I can't go back because I don't deserve to go back. That kind of thing.
0: Right. That is why we have this book. So this book is called Getting Past Guilt. And honestly, in the situations that I was just talking about of the people saying, I can't forgive myself. I can't move on from this. This book has been transformative in so many people's lives.
1: Yeah, I wrote that book. Actually, that was the first book I wanted to write. Uh, Howard Books, which is a division of Simon S. Schuster these days. Uh, Howard Books came to me back in the day. Alice and I, I if you don't know the story, I had divorced my wife for another woman with whom I was in limerence and I was going to be with her forever and ever. And we were going to be happy ever after and all that kind of stuff. And as always is the case, it fell apart. It always does. And that emotions went away. She went out first and I was the one that kept trying to pull her back and, uh, and she didn't come back. At some point, and I didn't go back to Alice immediately because I had so vilified her, all the things we've talked about, I lived through, I did them uh, as well as thousands of others that we've worked with. It's not just based on my understanding, it's based on the experience that a lot of people have had and some really good research done by others, not me. And so finally, when I went back and asked Alice, my former wife, if she would take me back and marry me again, and she went through a process of having to decide if she were going to do that or not, and eventually she did, and and we did remarry each other. Uh, I began to feel the kind of guilt, like, what have I done? How much pain did I cause Alice? How much pain did I call, cause the other woman? How much pain did I cause her family? She wasn't married, that's the only good thing of the story, but her mother, her father. How much pain did I call her? Well, you understand. And and how could I, a guy who actually had pretty strong beliefs and values, a, a very faithful Christian before all that happened, Um, believing that thou shalt not commit adultery, etc. How could I ever live with myself over what I'd done? And so I started studying grace and mercy. Like, how can I feel forgiven? How can I get past this? Well, at the same time, I was also talking about another subject called spiritual warfare. That was another topic I wanted to study because I wanted to know from my religious viewpoint, and if you're not religious, this won't make sense to you, But from my religious viewpoint, I wanted to know if I'd had any spiritual help in making the decisions I made. Don't misunderstand. I take full responsibility for all my decisions. Every decision I made was mine. Nobody made me do anything. My emotions control me, but nobody else, no human being, no spiritual being, none of that. You understand? But I wanted to know if there were spiritual beings who might've had some influence over me, And so I'd been speaking about spiritual warfare, like the devil and demons and all those kinds of things. And so Howard books came to me and said, we want you to write a book about that. And I said, no, I want to write a book about how to get past all this guilt. That's what I want to write a book about. And so they made a two book deal with me. One was I would write the spiritual warfare book. It's called Seeing the Unseen, which is still the the best-selling book I've ever written. And to do that, then I got the chance to do this. And getting past guilt, it's a Bible study. It's from a religious perspective, um, from a Christian perspective, actually. But I wrote through here also embracing the psychology of it, not just the spiritual dimensions of it, but the psychology of it. How can a person feel forgiven again? Now, it first came out in hardback and it was called Forgiven Forever, but nobody knew what that title meant. So when it came over finally to Softback, the name was changed to Getting Past Guilt. And it was for me. I wrote this so I could quit feeling guilty and it helped me with that. Well, many other people have now read this book over the years and said the same thing. It helped them get past guilt. And therefore we'd like to give a few of them away. We have Mm -hmm. what? Five of them here in the room. We do. Uh, There are more than five out there, (laughs) but we only have five here in the room. And if you're having trouble getting past your guilt because of what you've done in your marriage, uh, we'd like to give you one. Or if your spouse is having trouble getting past his or her guilt, if they are willing to read the book, we're willing to give it one. Now we only have five to give away. So how can they get one?
0: Yeah. Well, comment below so we can start seeing who, who might want them. And be serious. I mean, don't just say, oh, free book. It's my chance to get it. If your spouse isn't going to read it, then you're taking that opportunity away from someone who really does need it. Right. And if you're someone who really needs it, then let us know. Say, yes, that book, Getting Past Guilt, would be perfect for us. Um, give us a little bit about how it would help, and we'll make sure. Uh, we'll give you the email address so that you can contact us and, and tell us where to send it, and we'll submit all of those names to our admin department upstairs so they know who to look for. So it's that easy.
1: Okay. So before this program is over, yeah, just make your comments there and Kimberly will pick out five of the comments mm-hmm. before the program is done and tell you which email address, you five people and uh, they'll verify mm-hmm. by the way that it would be that these those five names. people yeah. and, and we will send you a book. And if you like, I will be glad to autograph it to you. If you don't want an autograph, just say that when we get the email from you and I won't do that either. But we think this book can be of assistance and help to you if mm-hmm. you feel guilty.
0: Yep. So true. We have a lot of questions coming in. Sure,
1: let's go to some questions. Then. Okay.
0: So one person said, as we're talking about the deterioration, what if there is an extenuating circumstance where this the husband in this case, it's her husband who he had he the other woman's pregnant. So if mm-hmm. there's something where you feel a tremendous amount of responsibility, mm-hmm. how does that affect the deterioration phase?
1: It can lead to a person staying in a relationship even after the relationship deteriorates. In other words, if, if, if I were to impregnate the other woman and she has a baby, I might feel compelled that I need to stay with her to help that baby, even though my feelings toward her continue to deteriorate. You see the fact that she has a baby does not necessarily mean this is going to develop or evolve into a better kind of love and that she and I'll be happy forever and ever. It may, that's a possibility, but it's a slim possibility. You know, what I find fascinating sometimes though is this, that, that say a man like me, I, if I were to have impregnated the other woman, I have children with my wife. It's kind of fascinating to me sometimes that this guy then will go, well, I'm going to abandon these children, I'll still be their dad. I'll see them every other weekend, but I'm not going to live with them. I'm not going to be there as their dad with them every day like dads are or should be. Instead, I'm going to go live with this woman. So I can be with that baby. Now part of me understands that in the sense that this is the newest responsibility and you feel like, Oh my goodness, she's going to be all alone. And, and, and I need to be with her, maybe even marry her. So the baby will be quote legitimate, end quote. And so I need to do that. But, my question is this when I understand the responsibilities you will have to that child, because you brought that child into existence with her, you also have a responsibility to the children that you already fathered. If you have children over here, leaving them just seeing them every other weekend or whatever it might be to be with this child. Is that the right thing to do for your children that have counted on you that, that have loved you, that have given their hearts to you? This child, this new one coming here, doesn't even know who you are yet. Yes, you will have responsibilities. I think that you should help in every way you can here. But these are the children that have already given their hearts to you. And and are you really going to abandon them and break their hearts for this other child that doesn't even yet know who you are? Now, if you're thinking, but wait a minute, wait a minute, I have no children with my spouse. Therefore, I should just leave him or her divorce that spouse so I can be with this person because we have no children together over there. Well, that's another question. If somebody asks about it, we'll be glad to deal with it. don't have time to deal with it right now, but it still has to do with commitment, breaking your vows, Mm. breaking your word that you gave to another person, even if no children exist. Now, you shouldn't have done this. Now, would this wife then need to understand that this guy's going to have some financial obligation to that child? I would hope so. Would this wife understand that this guy's going to have some obligations to that woman and that child? Yes. But can, can this limerent relationship end? Can he go back to his wife and have a good marriage here while still doing what he needs to do to help care for that child? That doesn't mean necessarily living with that child, you understand, but it does at least mean financial support and having some involvement. If this other woman wishes some involvement in that child's life, I've seen it happen many times. It can be done. Now it's unfortunate. And obviously it's not the, the thing that you want to happen, but that limit relationship still can and will end, even if he impregnated the other woman. I'm so sorry that I gave such a long answer to that. I realize we're running out of time.
0: It's a great answer, though. Needs needs a lot of time and attention. Someone else, they commented and they said, let me find it really quick. Can, I thought this was an interesting question. Can mm-hmm. the three phases of limerence occur with someone who doesn't know you're in limerence with them?
1: Will it occur for them or occur for you?
0: For you. Can I be in, can yes. I go through all three phases of limerence without the person I'm in love with knowing? Yes. That's but a, fascinating. But in all
1: likelihood, it's not going to last as long. Or
0: be as strong because there's no reciprocation.
1: Right. So it's it's not going to last as long. It's probably not going to be as strong unless the person uh, kind of goes into a psychological state that's not very healthy. Mm. They can become obsessed with the other person, become a stalker, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Even if the other person doesn't reciprocate, I mean, you see in the news every so often about somebody breaking into a movie star's home because I just know that he loves me, even though he doesn't act as if he knows I exist. Mm-hmm. I know that she loves me, even though she right. paid me no attention.
0: There's a problem there. But
1: those people have gone into a psychological state that's, uh, let's just say, it's not normal. Mm-hmm. But that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next question, Okay. someone says, my husband and I are trying to reconcile and he says he has to go back to the place where his affair partner is to face temptation. Is this an actual part of limerence?
1: <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it a part of limerence, but I'd say it's definitely not wise. Either, either this guy's thinking he's got to prove something to himself. I've just got to prove to myself that I can get past this. And by the way, because of the intense way these emotions work and how that they begin to be beyond our control, it's actually a very foolish move because if he goes back to prove that he's over her, he can get past her, he has no control over what emotions might spike just because of the fact that he goes back to that same environment, that same situation, that same person. In other words, it's a a fool's battle. Now, I'm sorry if I called you a fool. I don't mean to sound mean to you, but it does not make sense. And you're not going to prove anything to yourself whatsoever. I guess what you're thinking, and I'm guessing here based on the fact that I've been there, is that if you go back and, and you see her and you're in that environment and then you think, oh, okay, I don't feel that for her anymore. But then you walk away and think, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, look at me. But you see... That's not a good goal because you can't guarantee that's going to happen. And what if, what if you get back and those emotions come back? It's just not a smart thing to do. And it's not going to set you free. Now I admit, if you go back and you see her and have no emotions whatsoever, you will get past the limits faster. I admit that. But you're doing something so stupid, so dangerous. It's like, hmm, I'll bet you that I can keep that rattlesnake from biting me. Let me pick it up. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm being mean now because it makes it sound like I'm saying that a woman's rattlesnake and I'm really not trying to say that. <laughs> okay. I'm really not trying to say that. I'm just saying it's not a good thing. Now, the secondary part of that is that he's lying to himself mm. or lying to his wife. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore I want to go do that because this is the way that I'm going to rekindle this. What if I find out she really still does have strong emotions for me, then that's going to justify me leaving my wife. Yeah. And not admitting that to himself up front or not admitting that to his wife up front. There is nothing, nothing, nothing good that's going to come from this. Slight possibility if you get there and think, oh, I don't feel anything for anymore. Yeah, that could work to your advantage. But the odds against that are so dramatic because you're dealing with emotions that are not within your control. And who knows what's going to spike it again. Uh, it's just not smart.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that. But the temptation is going to be for the spouse who's hearing this and they're, so for example, it was the wife that asked this question about her husband. So I don't know her, but what she might be thinking right now is, well, I need to go tell my husband all of this, that it's a (laughs) mistake, that it's terrible, that he's lying to himself, that she's a rattlesnake.
1: Play this portion. Did you hear what Dr. Beam said? She's a rattlesnake. Don't do that.
0: <laughs> so don't what would that. you recommend for the spouse to do in this kind of situation?
1: Don't do anything that's going to make your spouse become defensive because you don't win when you make your spouse be defensive. So if you say, okay, I'm going to teach all this to my spouse and therefore he won't go, well, that may get him to bite you in the butt. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to get him to watch this and Dr. Bim will convince him not to go. That also might try to come back and bite you in the butt. So what do you do? Okay. Do it from your own perspective. Don't quote me. Don't show the video. Don't play the audio. You sit down with him and look him in the eye and say, I understand you feel you need to do that, but I need to tell you how I feel about that. It scares me to death. And I feel that then you don't have the commitment to me that I need. I'm not saying you don't, I'm just saying it feels that way. And therefore I'm asking you for me and for the tremendous fear I feel if you were to go do that, Please don't do that. And so, while you say you need to do that for you, and I'm not calling you a liar, while you say that you need to do that for you, there's something even more important I need you to do for me. Don't go. That's how I deal with it.
0: Uh, That's a good, that's perfect. That's absolutely awesome. So the status of the book. So far, we have Patricia, Ashley, and Yore will be getting copies of Getting Past Guilt. Were those three people? Those are three people. Patricia, Ashley, and Yor, Y-O-R. Wow, Yor. What a cool name. It is a cool name. I'd love to know what it means.
1: So those three so far need to email us. Is.
0: Message us on our Facebook page. So go to the Marriage Helper Facebook page and just send us a message. That's going to be the easiest way to do it. And we still have two more. So if you're just now joining us and you're thinking, what are they talking about? We are giving away five total copies of the book, Getting Past Guilt, four If you are currently going through a situation where you feel guilty, you feel like you can't move on, then we would love to gift this to you so you can read it, so you can overcome those feelings of guilt that you have that might be stopping you from moving forward in your relationship or in other parts of your life because you feel so guilty. Or if you have a spouse who you believe will actually read this. Don't get it if
1: you're not going to read it.
0: Yes, who's experiencing that as well. Then we would love to help you in that. We'd love to give this to you. So comment below. Let us know that you want it and why you want it. And we'll choose two more people to get a copy of the book.
1: Now, when you private message us, you need to give us the following information. First of all, do you want it autographed or not? And if so, Mm -hmm. to whom? It can be you and your spouse, or it can be just be you. It can just be your spouse. But if you want autographed, then say please autograph two. Give the names, and then of course you need to give us your mailing address.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. We have other questions coming in. One person has asked. They said um, that their husband is. They've been married for nine or fourteen years, mm-hmm. and that all of a sudden he has gotten divorced her. So he's divorced his wife, Uh he's in limerence with another woman and they aren't married yet as far as I know, but they got wedding rings tattooed. She said, he's gone through all of this very quickly, all of phase two very quickly. Could he come out of phase three just as quick as they went into phase two?
1: Anything's possible.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Anything's possible. You understand that again, we deal with human emotions we can't give you absolutes. Like phase one is going to last exactly 13.2 weeks. And phase two, I mean, we can't do that. Some people go through it much faster than others. Some people go through it slower than others. We're dealing with human beings and human beings are very hard to measure. And so, yeah, it's possible that he will. As a matter of fact, I think it's more likely when people go really fast through phase one and really fast into phase two, it is more likely that they will go faster into phase three but I cannot guarantee that. I think it likely. And if I were a betting man, I'd probably lay the money that way, but I cannot guarantee it'll happen like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then a lot of people are asking more about your story. They're saying, how can I find out more about Joe analysis story? Why did he call her and decide to take her back? Why did she say yes? Where can I find more information about this?
1: Well, they're not going to let my answer, but (laughs) I tell most of the story only in our workshops. Now I've told little pieces of it in some of my books. I've told little pieces of it on some of the podcasts. Uh, I've even brought Alice onto podcasts before to answer people's questions about it. But the the majority of the story I share only in our workshops. And if you're thinking, why? Well, it's because of the fact that some of it's pretty bad. And uh, I don't share it with the general public. Uh, I only share it with people who Are in similar situations and have demonstrated that by coming to our workshop to work on the marriages because their marriages are in serious trouble. You see, I tend to trust that kind of a group more with my story because I know they get it. They're not going to be sitting in judgment on me. They're not going to be gossiping about me and telling that story someplace else. And so uh, you're not going to like the answer. I said that to begin with, but if you want to hear that whole story, then you come to one of the workshops that I'm doing. Now I don't even do all the workshops. I try to be there for every workshop, but it's not always my story in the workshop. Um, otherwise I don't know that you're going to hear all of that story. We may touch on some of those subjects a little bit Mm -hmm. like why did I ask Alice to come back to me? Mm -hmm. But I'll only give you a superficial reason. I can't give you the real reason because that's part of what is so intimate, uh, so personal to me that Even though my wife Alice knows it, uh, I've not even told my daughters that part because it's just so painful and I just don't want them to know all the crap I did. So forgive me if that that offends you, I don't mean to. It's just that there's some things I just don't tell everybody and I'm certainly not gonna put out there where my children and grandchildren can run into it.
0: However, I do believe that if you go through some of the podcasts, previous podcasts on Marriage Radio, our podcast that's on iTunes and Google Play, then you can hear some from Alice. So just as Joe was saying, it's not going to be the whole story or anything like that, but she answered some questions. She talked about some things. So you can hear some of her side of it as well. I think what people are really looking for when they're asking this question is why did you come around? and they want that same hope for their spouse. Yeah.
1: Well, that's part of the story that I'm going to tell. Um, it's just too personal. I can give you the general principle. And that general principle is this, I went ahead and divorced Alice so I could be with the other person. And then the other person left me, um, not immediately, but left me. And then I wound up uh, living a pretty wild lifestyle for a while because I had so vilified Alice that I didn't want to go back to her. Uh, I had made her so bad in my mind so I could justify the things that I had done that I I did not want to go back to her. There are some things that she did that helped lead me back. Remember, people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. And over time, as Alice continued to demonstrate great strength, what I mean by that is that uh, when it came to divorce, she stood up for some things, even though I didn't want her to, But she was strong and stood up for them anyway. At the time, in the short term, it made me bad, and I said all kinds of bad things to her like, this just proves why I shouldn't be with you anymore. She ignored that and stood up for herself and did what she should do anyway. She was not mean, she was not unkind, but she was definitely strong. And over time, that was a factor like, wow, I'm seeing a side of Alice that uh, I can't run over. She's strong. And then through the divorce, I saw her every other weekend when I went to see the kids, and she was always polite and kind and sweet and gentle. She didn't try to manipulate me back. She didn't get angry and say all kinds of terrible things to me either. She was just amazingly strong. And what she did was she finally showed me that going back to her was better than being alone. Now, there's also some personal things that happened on my side. Um, my life deteriorated pretty badly. I got into some things I shouldn't have gotten into, things like that. But all through that, I think the point to hear is this because Alice kept doing the things that we now teach people to do. Nobody taught Alice. She just figured out her own how to do it. But because Alice kept doing the things we teach people to do, she finally got to the point where I saw being with her was much better than being without her. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. So the real key here is the behavior of Alice, not all the crappy stuff I did.
0: Mm which is something you, no matter where you are in this process, have complete control over.
1: That's why we suggest strongly that you uh, you come to our program if your spouse will come with you, come mm-hmm. to our three-day weekend. If not, what other resources can teach them these same things?
0: Yeah, well, we have a ton. There's no lack of what we can offer you. You can start with going to our website, looking at the articles, listening to our podcast, like I mentioned before, which you can find on iTunes and on Google Play. And if you're saying, I don't have any of those, you can go to Spreaker.com, which is speaker with an R in the middle of it. (laughs) Spreaker. S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Look for Marriage Radio. You can find everything there as well so much good information there. Get on our mailing list because we have webinars every couple of weeks where we are deep diving into current issues that people are dealing with. And we would love to have you on one of those. You can call us, you can talk with the people on our team, our client relations reps, where they can help guide you to articles, podcasts. If you're saying, I just want to talk to a real person I get to that point a lot when I'm dealing with with businesses or other things. And I'm saying, I just want a real person to ask questions to so that they can make it simple for me. And that's what we've moved away from in the world. But we have a real team who can answer those questions for you, would love to talk to you. And they can also give you information about the coaching that we offer, which is astounding. We have full faith and confidence in our coaches. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about it.
1: I never have either. We also have some online courses Mm -hmm. or at least a course right now and more in development.
0: Absolutely. Which our client relations reps can share more about that with you. And then of course we have our marriage transforming workshop, which we do here in middle Tennessee that people travel from everywhere from. You might be thinking, I can't come to middle Tennessee. I live in Chicago. (laughs) Well, I understand how you feel. It's definitely a flight or a long drive, but we have people come every time we do it, from Canada, Caribbean, Australia, London, I Beijing, mean, Beijing, Germany, Germany mm-hmm. Guam, all of these places because it's that worth it. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone will tell you it is absolutely worth it, no matter what it takes. Mm -hmm. And we believe that as well. So in any of those areas, we can help, we can offer guidance, we can offer um, at least something for where you are in starting where you are and helping you get to where you want to be.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I guess we had the number put up on the screen. Is that correct? Yep. Good. You saw the number there. And we have yeah. two more books to give away.
0: We do. And we actually have chosen. So Joe Lynn and Norma are the two other recipients oh, good. of the book. So we are excited for y'all. Be sure to message Marriage Helper. Give us your name, your mailing address, your email address, just in case we need it and how you want it autographed. And we will definitely send those to you. And for other people who are saying, I want the book, they can buy it on Amazon.
1: <laughs> they can buy it on Amazon, yeah. You can. And and sometimes Amazon puts it on for amazing prices that really upsets me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but more people get it. That's what matters. More
1: people get it. That's As a matter matters. of fact, uh, in the last day or so they did a real special on it. I think somebody tell me about that
0: for the Kindle version for
1: the Kindle version. That's correct.
0: Right. So yeah, check out Amazon and those are there for you. So for some people were asking about that spiritual warfare book. If you're interested in that, it's called seeing the unseen. You can find that on Amazon, hardback or Kindle edition. And then getting past guilt is the book we're talking about right now which is this one. Mm-hmm. And if I've ever you want a,
1: one of the books, not the Kindle of books, and you want it autographed to you or to somebody that you love, then you need to buy it directly from us. Now, we mm-hmm. don't have a bookstore online that you can go find it there. You'd actually have to call in and say, I want to buy Seeing the Unseen or Edeen Past Guilt. Now, unlike Amazon, we'll have to charge a full price, okay? Um, they tend to get upset when the authors off, offer discounts. <laughs>
0: you know,
1: the authors really need to sell it at full price so that other vendors don't, feel badly about it. But if you want an autographed one, then you can contact us um, by calling that number or, or mm-hmm. can they email us about that as well?
0: Yeah. At info or give us a call. We have people who want answer.
1: And what is the full price on this? Can you see that?
0: $16.99.
1: $16.99 if you buy it from us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But if you want to get on Amazon, you feel free to do so.
0: Absolutely. Well, Joe, what parting words of encouragement do you have to our listeners today?
1: If your spouse is in limerence, it at some point will end. It will at some point end. I don't know if that'll be tomorrow or a hundred tomorrows from now, but it will end. In the meantime, if you really want to stand for your marriage, then please do so. But understand if you decide to be mean, cruel, it's going to work against you because when he or she finally comes out of limerence, they're not going to come back to you. As a matter of fact, whining, begging, pleading, those things will work against you as well. There are things to do. If you decide to call here, ask about our online course. It's actually like 10 weeks worth of material that'll guide you through what you should do and how to do it if you'd like to have that and it will guide you through it. Because if you do the right things, when his or her limerence ends, you have a good shot at putting the image back together. If you do the wrong things, it becomes a lot more difficult.
0: Good encouragement. Well, thank you so much. We will see you next week. And until then, if there's anything we can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out to us. See you next time.